Hello, and welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your source for recaps, reviews, and items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. I'm your host, Colin Kennedy. I'm your host, Jenny Carlson. And we are here coming to you, not quite live, but the next best thing it over podcast. It feels that way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're coming to you with our recap of uh, episode 405 today. Yeah, season four, episode five, Match Point. Match Point. That's right. But uh, before we do that, uh, as, wow, we are just... Cobra Kai season five is just right on our doorstep, is it not? Yeah, it is. And it's coming and up the driveway. I can see it. The year got away from us. We knew it would come hot on our heels, but boy, it is right there, like like breathing down our yeah. necks. Which leads to the obvious question, well, with less than two weeks to go before the Cobra Kai premiere, how do we intend to possibly cover all the rest of season four? Uh, well, well, one, we're going to be editing in a marathon <laughs> Basically. Well, two, we've already recorded quite a bit of our final episodes. That's true. Uh, and we're doing double duty with getting them ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some other fun things in the grab bag coming up. But the main thing we want y'all to know before we get to the items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse is that we are planning on doing a countdown in the final five days before season five drops on September 9th. Yes. Um, That means that starting on September 5th, which is Monday in the morning, you will get a release of each of our final recap episodes for season four, culminating on Thursday in a special double dose. That's right. Of the last two episodes of season four made together as a super. Yeah. So right now the plan is uh, what Mm -hmm. we'll do is we'll be dropping one a morning every morning that week until obviously the Friday premiere. So that would be 4.06 on Monday and then ending in 4.09 and 4.10 as a double-sized jumbo episode. On Thursday the 8th. On Thursday the 8th. So, and then I guess we'll do our traditional like season uh, react episode that weekend. Indeed. And then so on and so forth, back to a regular schedule. Stay tuned to your Twitter feeds and to our Facebook page for updates. Yes, indeed. Please do. Uh, We're very excited. And even though we plan to have everything dropped a lot sooner, y'all know us, things especially got in the way this year. And we appreciate your still being with us for it. But we are excited that this is how we're going to roll our last few episodes of the season out because uh, there's really some good energy going on right now. We're honor bound to drop all of our season four episodes before season five comes out. So this is this is our plan. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have any of Terry's old marching powder, but we're going to do our best. Mm, well, we've got the next best thing. We've got cocktails. But before we get to that... Do we have some items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse for this week? We do. We do. There are a few items of interest. Um, I will be brief because things are changing so quickly in the landscape of Cobra Kai social media. The main highlights, I would say, are that we've had a new full trailer in the last couple of weeks. A couple of the most remarkable things is that we see Terry Silver bringing on new senseis to help Cobra Kai spread across the valley. They are led by Alicia Hannah Kim, who is playing the granddaughter of Terry and Kreese's sensei back in the day. Oh, yeah. See, this is very interesting. Season five, we're still adding new characters. We're still adding new wrinkles to the to the old formulas. Obviously, we'll give you our full impressions when that season, those episodes drop. But this is very tantalizing. She I'm looks, very, yeah. yeah. She looks to be a very formidable opponent, and Terry looks like he's pulling out all the stops with all the glitz and glam. He looks like he's gone full karate villain. It's almost like he got picked up for a show on Netflix, and the, he's just spending that money as fast as he can get it. Astonishing. Get it while you can. Meanwhile, we see that also some old friends will be fighting back to back. I won't spoil anything yet because we haven't gotten to the end of our recaps, but you will hear us talk about that more at the conclusion of episodes nine and 10 of season four. Um, And we also know that those characters will have their own fight music. I don't think I'm spoiling anyone because everybody guessed or knows for sure that Mike Barnes is coming back. We've had photo evidence of that. Mike Barnes, the bad boy of karate? That's right. The very same. Representing the Cobra Kai, the challenger, Mike Barnes. Come on, right now! Let's go! Mike Barnes. Mr. Silver, you just bought yourself a champion. Mike Barnes. You. You can dream about me. Karate's bad boy. Mike Barnes. 
Yeah, and and you know the soundtrack will apparently have a touch of his own theme, which you know we can only dream is based on our theme for Mike Barnes. Oh, I don't know how it could be better than ours, but we can dream about it. We can dream about it. I don't think we've learned the release date of the full season five soundtrack. If we have, I, and I've forgotten, I apologize. But one track has already dropped, and it's a lovely piece called "Once Upon a Time in the Valley." which uh, appears to be an homage to Spaghetti Western scored by Morricone and the Tarantino films that used his work. Uh, so it's beautiful. It is out on streaming media everywhere. And it lets you know that there's going to be a bit more of a like Western desert vibe, like a showdown vibe mm. um, in season five. And speaking of showdowns, there's been a lot of speculation on Cobra Kai Twitter about who will live and who will die. And some of that has, the, the flames have been fanned by the showrunners themselves. Yes, I've been seeing this. Yeah, uh, we have things to say about that. I will refrain from speculation right now, but we'll get back to that when we finish our recaps. Suffice it to say, uh, you might have a panic attack if you take hints too seriously. And at this point, I would advise everyone to remember that one season... The showrunners hinted that someone would die and a hamster died. So not to not to devalue Clarence's mm. life, but just remember that this show does have very real like Greek stakes, but I wouldn't be too afraid at this point. We just don't know enough yet. In our lives, those who follow us know that we got a puppy. That's which is right. Where we have been mostly in puppy land. That's true. If you're going to mention that, it naturally raises the question, what dojo is RV in? RV is, first of all, it should be said, a cattle dog, poodle, terrier mix. Mm -hmm. And while one's genetics do not influence one's choice of dojo, he does have a signature terrier bark. I think RV is pretty clearly an eagle fang. Yes. Because he's a little chaotic, ultimately good. And a very, very wild dog. Yes, he is. Ah. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I'm glad that we could share that with everybody. And I'm sure he'll be popping up on our socials from exactly. time to time. Exactly. So be on the lookout for that. I mean, he could also switch dojos because that happens in Cobra Kai. That's true. That's true. If he mellows out, he may, he may go Miyagi-Do yet. We'll see. I mean, he just needs a karate dad to show him the way. <laughs> As do we all. Yeah, I'll definitely work on that. At that note, I think it's time to talk about our cocktail. Yes. Our cocktail. So for those of you just catching up, uh, we decided to mix up the formula this season by introducing a new cocktail with every episode of Cobra Kai season four, usually inspired by a character or someone in that episode or, you know, something someone says. Uh, this episode, we have chosen something I believe Nate talks about. Like at the very top of the episode, they mentioned that Terry Silver looks like a Highlander. So The Highlander. Nate says, because there can be only one. This is our only one. This is a, this is a modified Highlander cocktail we're calling the Valley Highlander. Yes. In honor of uh, Terry Silver and uh, in honor of California in general. Um... So a regular Highlander usually incorporates some sort of scotch and some sort of vermouth, right? Yeah, well, so Paul Harrington is, I believe, a mixologist or an archivist of mixology. Had a recipe in a cocktail book published in the late 90s uh, that the Highlander contains uh, two parts scotch, one half part herbal liqueur like Benedictine or sweet vermouth, and a couple of dashes of bitters, ideally Angostura bitters. I reinterpreted this as a Valley Highlander, and I wanted to use a Mexican sort of grain alcohol. I originally intended on using mezcal. We didn't have any mezcal at home, so I used sotol, which does not grow natively in California, but grows natively in Mexico. So, you know, it's just all, almost the same. Plus, it has the grassy notes that also go well with the peat and scotch. Mm. So for the grain alcohol part, for the hard liquor, one part scotch, one part so tall, or you can mm -hmm. use mezcal. One half to one part sweet vermouth. We used Vaya, which is a California vermouth. It's very good. A dash or two of bitters. I would say Angostura bitters or orange bitters if you got it, because after all, back in the day, orange trees grew on a, almost a plantation scale, I think, in the San Fernando Valley. Oh, for sure, yeah. We also used an orange peel. We didn't have orange bitters. We used Angostura, so we threw in a little dash of orange juice. Uh, shake in a shaker and then served in a... 
chill glass. Now, we tried this earlier in our test kitchen, <laughs> and I would say, unlike some of the other cocktails we've made, this is not easy afternoon porch sipping. It is this not. Is, uh, this is a late night hanging out with the uh, network executives kind of vibe to it. It's got a very rich, smoky flavor, but careful with this one, guys. A little goes a long way. I will say that, you know, it took a couple tries. We had to amp up the vermouth a little bit. Um, because it was so dense. Be sure and shake that in the shaker with ice for 20 seconds before you strain it into that chilled glass. Make sure yeah. you've got a chilled glass because you want that flavor balance to be preserved as well as possible. Um, you could probably throw in whiskey like bourbon and no one you know, would be the wiser if you like bourbon better than scotch. Obviously, we won't tell that that might not really be a Highlander, but I will say that we had a very savory dinner, mm -hmm. and after eating dinner, it has improved greatly in flavor. So we aren't used to drinking these PD cocktails uh, right. with scotch, right? Scotch is weird as a mixed drink, mm -hmm. but at least to us, I know that some drinks exist like the Blood and Sand or the Rob Roy, but I would say definitely make sure that you drink it after a meal. Don't drink it on an empty stomach. This is not an aperitif. This is more like a digestive. Yeah, yeah. But it's a strong drink. It certainly is. It's a strong drink. Like I said, we are kicking the tires, lighting the fires. We are hellbound for glory to get the last of these recaps ready before the season five drops in early September. So we are going to be dropping as many episodes as we can. So be on the lookout for those in the coming weeks. And until then, we've got today's recap to do, which is, are you ready for this? It is Cobra Kai, Season 4, Episode 5, Match Point. Match Point. We open where we left off in the previous episode. Daniel LaRusso. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, right as Terry Silver and John Kreese have walked into the yard at Miyagi-Do. We begin in media dojo as Terry Silver shows up to basically sorry, not sorry Daniel about the entirety of Karate Kid 3. If I could go back and undo it all, I would. Yeah, I mean, Terry Silver shows up, apologizes to Daniel, is doing a real Mr. Nice Guy thing. But, of course, Daniel isn't buying it. Johnny is baffled by the whole deal. And as Terry tells Daniel, he's not that man anymore. The kids look on from the sliding rice paper door. Yeah, all the Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang students basically do a little rascal's take as they slide the dojo doors open and all their heads pop out. Your dad is pissed. Who is that guy? I have no idea. He looks like a Highlander. They watch this scene unfold as Daniel, Terry, Kreese, and Johnny negotiate this moratorium on fighting. The theme that's going to pop up throughout this episode is that Daniel and Terry are the only two people who have done this dance before, right? Indeed. So Daniel basically spends the rest of the episode trying to convince everybody that, no, Terry is a new dangerous element not to be trusted. You know, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, right now, Daniel and Johnny are putting on a pretty united front giving him the uh, get the hell out of here. Well, the kids intuit that Silver is something to be reckoned with, right? Because someone observes he looks like a Highlander and Nate corrects. The Highlander. There can be only one. Anyway, Terry Silver's like, yeah, I tried. So acting like it's on Daniel and pretending to be the better guy, Terry and Kreese turn towards the gate. After the kids point out the Highlander looks on Terry, Kreese takes a moment to threaten Johnny one-on-one. -on -one. He's really there to get in Johnny's head. I guess it's it's a two-on-two, -two, right? We've got Terry getting inside Daniel's head, and we've got Kreese there to continue trying to get inside Johnny's head. Kreese says to Johnny, has it really come to this? And Johnny basically tells Kreese to buzz off. But Kreese uses that piece of the truth, twisting it, saying, Sign out front says Miyagi-Do. This does, however, give Johnny an opening to call Terry Kreese's bridge partner, which I enjoyed. So as Kreese and Silver walk away, they make their way out to the Miyagi-Do driveway, where Kreese says, What now? And Terry says, Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Who really is Pinky and who is the brain here? 
Oh, I think it's brain and brain. <laughs> I don't know. Based on build, you would think Terry would be pinky, but that's clearly not the case. Terry's I guess the brain. I guess it depends on how the show goes. Just Indeed. like they're both kind of Ren and neither Stimpy. You idiot! Can't you see I'm operating? True. <laughs> At any rate, Johnny and Daniel are going to have to talk this out, right? And the other senseis have work to do, so they get in the car and drive off. Meanwhile, at Cobra Kai, Robbie and Tori are trying to figure out what they can do to get the Miyagi-Dos alone to retaliate. Yeah, Robbie and Tori are talking about how... They know you and I are the biggest threat. They also know we can't risk violating probation. But they can't violate their probation, so... We need to get them somewhere no one else is around. They're they're kind of defanged cobras, in a way. Indeed. They want to know what to do. And it's at this moment that Terry and Kreese walk in. And Terry declares that the moratorium on fighting stays. Yeah, Tori's big mad about it. But Kreese points out that there's a time to fight and a time to wait. That's like the birds singing that old Ecclesiastes verse. A time to strike first and a time to strike. If a man can't breathe, a man can't fight. But there's a time to fight. From here on out, there'll be no more fighting until the tournament. A time for peace, I swear it's not too late. Is that understood? Yes, yes sir. That's exactly what it says in Ecclesiastes. And Terry basically coaches to bank their rage until the tournament. He yep. has a... Has a whole philosophy on on storing up that anger, not unlike Marge Simpson. Take all your bad feelings and push them down past your knees until you're almost walking on them. And then boys will like you. At any rate, the students are down with Terry's direction to bank their rage, and Kreese looks on as foreboding music plays. Kreese isn't happy with this situation, although I'm not sure what he could do better. Meanwhile, across the valley, we see that Daniel and Johnny are at a bar together. It looks like Daniel's going to be getting a martini, but no, he's drinking an amber liquid. So he's taking this very seriously indeed. And of course, Johnny has one of his classic banquets. Daniel takes this opportunity to give Johnny the info dump on Terry Silver and the events of Karate Kid 3. I never saw Silver again until today. Johnny only takes away a very crucial... Let me get this straight. ...plot point. The year after our title fight, they put you straight through to the finals. It's bullshit. Well, that is bullshit. Johnny's right. But Daniel doubles down and tells Johnny that Terry Silver is a threat. And now the game has changed. It's only right that Daniel take over the training of the students. Daniel and Johnny are at a, a loggerheads here. Daniel thinks he knows best, like he always does. He says Silver's a psychopath. You can't strike first with this guy. Johnny has a legitimate question. Look, if you're so worried about this son of a bitch, why don't we go down there and kick his ass right now? But Daniel's answer is wrong in many important respects. You cannot strike first with this guy. Daniel thinks he should take over the whole operation from here on out, but Johnny just reads this as a opportunistic power grab on Daniel's part and a play for the affections of his students, but most specifically of one student. Oh, so now you know what's best for Miguel. I'm just saying. Johnny doesn't understand why they don't just go in there and kick Terry Silver's ass. And Daniel's, you know, the classic, that's just what he would want you to do. He's a psychopath, is Daniel's response. And in this case, Johnny says that Miyagi-Do's victory doesn't mean that Daniel will beat Terry Silver again. But of course, Daniel can't accept that. More to the point, Daniel's whole argument throughout this episode is that not only can you not trust Terry, but he's like a mastermind. He's playing five-dimensional chess with all y'all, which is not untrue, but also no one else sees any evidence of this yet. All they know is that there's a new sensei in town and he might be bad news. Johnny gets hung up on the idea that Daniel thinks he knows what's best for Miguel. Now we're going to relitigate the All-Valley fight. And of course, the bartender tells them to take it down a notch, right? So they're getting heated about their own history rather than taking the threat seriously together. Just because Miyagi-Do had the last victory doesn't mean it will happen again this time. Well, and one lucky kick doesn't make you the better fighter. I mean, fair. Exactly. Uh, PolitiFact equals true on that one, Johnny. And one of my favorite exchanges is... Look, we both know if we fought ten times, I'd have beat you nine. And, and then the response... We have fought ten times. Gentlemen. It's a brilliant exchange. 
the thrust of what Daniel's trying to say to Johnny is that he doesn't believe that Johnny's methods, which are basically Cobra Kai light to Daniel, mm-hmm. can work on someone who's that Cobra Kai. Strike firster to someone who strikes first isn't a method that works. But I just can't believe that these idiots are playing winner take all like a microcosm of their dumb bet with Crease. Sundown on the sparring deck. Oh, I'll be there. Johnny declares that he wants them to finish their fight. So what's yeah. happening is they're going to fight it out to decide who controls the students' training. Like Halo 3, they got to finish the fight. At any rate, this is ridiculous because now they're doing another round of winner-take-all, and whoever wins this, just like their fight with Kreese, right? Now they're going to decide amongst themselves. This is not the way to settle such a dispute. And Daniel is so drunk that he agrees to Johnny's plan. The first to hit three points wins, takes over the kids' training, and apparently this is why Daniel drinks martinis and not whiskey, because he makes terrible decisions. Never make drunk bets under any circumstances, certainly not when the fate of all karate in the valley is on the line. Johnny leaves the money on the bar and walks out, telling Daniel he better not back out. Daniel says he'll be there. Of course, the bartender notes that Johnny only left $3. Daniel waves his hand, says, put the drinks on my tab, bring me another. So for Daniel, this is all just like a drop in the bucket. It'll, they'll work it out later. I don't think Johnny's taking it that casually. Meanwhile, at Sweet Valley High, Hawk is sporting a new purple hue. And per president, Dimitri's looking at Terry Silver's history on the iPad. Vietnam veteran businessman, had a few ups and downs, but not much dirt other than some toxic waste scandal in Borneo back in the 80s. Apparently, Dimitri has been using his Google Foo to get his own info dump on Terry Silver. Basically, it says all you really need to know to understand Cobra Kai, which is Terry Silver is an evil billionaire who knows Daniel that one time. But all of Dimitri's technical talk does give us an opportunity for Yasmin to walk up. I love it when you talk nerdy. Yeah. And Moon's there too. Moon comments that she loves Hawk's new purple mohawk. (laughs) Purple's the color of the crown chakra, you know. Symbolizes enlightenment. Of course, Hawk himself is more interested in the base chakra. Hello! Ayo! Oh, yeah, that's what I was going for, so... Anyway, Yasmin also tells Dimitri that she's got a wedding to go to in Sydney, uh, that it means Sydney, Australia, so she won't be able to go to prom with Dimitri. Dimitri says he'll take whatever he can get. Dimitri takes it well. He's just happy that Yasmin looks his way, man. I mean, who wouldn't? Yas is great. As the gals walk off, Hawk says he has no idea how Dimitri pulled that off, speaking of. And Dimitri says, I guess I was just myself, and somehow that worked. But Dimitri also takes the opportunity to ask Hawk if he and Moon are getting along again. Yeah, Hawk didn't realize that Piper and Moon were over weeks ago, according to Dimitri. And then Hawk says another brilliant line, John Hughes level of brilliance, how many weeks is weeks? A fair question. But they are interrupted because then Sam and Miguel arrive to reveal that Johnny has been on a Twitter rant to promote the big fight. And as someone who's been on Cobra Kai Twitter for some amount of time, that does seem like something Johnny Lawrence would say in such a world. Yes, I love that Johnny's first two tweets are uh, hello and does this thing work? Yeah, Hawk is super stoked about this fight. Miguel and Sam, not so much because they can see the writing on the wall. This will end in tears. Meanwhile, at LaRusso Auto, Daniel's looking worse for wear. Yeah, and that's when Amanda, Louie, and Anoush interrupt Daniel's hangover time. Amanda's there with her trademark realness. Louie and Anoush are basically the peanut gallery. Amanda walks into Daniel's office to see him crashed on the couch. Daniel looks at Johnny's tweets. Apparently, Sam sent them to Amanda. Anything you want to tell me? It looks like a showdown at the Okinawa Corral. Rather charming play on words. Indeed. And Louie thinks this is a terrible idea because Johnny is very, very tough. Johnny's a bad man, he says. Yeah, and Anoush is equally frightened of Johnny because of his own history with him. And, of course, Daniel is just massaging his sore head and thanking everyone, move along, appreciating it, saying it's no big deal. He's massaging his sore head, and then Amanda confronts him about his sore ego. Daniel explains that Terry Silver happened, the certified whack job from his past who's just come back to Cobra Kai. Yeah, so now Daniel has to give Amanda the info dump on Terry Silver. Daniel's going to have to keep doing this for everyone in the show because, again, not a lot of uh, the original cast of Karate Kid 3 are around to explain this to the new characters, right? And then Amanda asks the million-dollar question. Are there any other Cobra Kais from your past that are going to come out of the woodwork and destroy our lives? 
No. This is pretty much the way that the scene always goes Well, with this show and with Daniel, right? He has downplayed the situation. Someone emerges that you can't believe they existed in the first place. So how could they possibly be coming back? And so it is with Terry Silver. Yeah. Amanda instantly understands the situation. The fight is happening because Daniel tried to railroad Johnny. And Daniel answers of course not we'll sort this out we just the booze got the better of us both mm. and daniel hopes that johnny doesn't hold grudges but johnny has a montage that says differently yeah it's like daniel have you even met this guy come on unfortunately johnny woke up hungover and went immediately to a montage training to beat up daniel to a badass mixtape a training montage worthy of rocky as he runs along the beach lifts cinder blocks in the Weber Industrial Warehouse. He's flashing back to the past with all of his fights with Daniel, including a deleted scene. Quality cut scene from their Karate Kid where Daniel smears blueberry cobbler or pie on Johnny's shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got his headband and sweats. He's knocking he, over mailboxes. He's, he's knocking over a scooter guy. I mean, who among us hasn't want to knock down a scooter? Driving through people's backyard, knocking down mailboxes. It's important to note that the flashbacks that are dispersing aren't just from the old movies. They're showing previous seasons when Johnny and Daniel have fought because they yeah. have fought 10 times of just yeah, about. all those 10 times. We're getting them all. And some of Johnny's flashbacks are of, like, Daniel bowing to Miguel, right? So he's also angry about that, that anyone but Johnny gets to influence Miguel. He goes into the waves. He kicks the waves, punches them, right? So this is a flashback to the Karate Kid and also a little bit to Creed and Rocky training together. They also show an eagle flying overhead because this is Johnny Lawrence. Johnny has the heart of the eagle. Yeah, he does. And that is just chef's kiss right there. You want to end all your Johnny montages with an eagle flying overhead. Absolutely. And then, of course, as the music fades, we land in the kitchen at the LaRusso Mance with Daniel standing over his cell phone, rehearsing an apology to Johnny. Yeah, Daniel's rehearsing his apology to Johnny, muttering, don't apologize, it just shows weakness. Call back to what Johnny said to himself in the season premiere. And that's when Sam walks in. Why aren't you in school? Uh, I only had a study hall left, so I played the cramps card and came home. Of course, Daniel believes is being dishonest. You played the... And Sam says that she wasn't being dishonest. She was just setting her own schedule. Uh, of course, Daniel has had a rough night himself, as he explains when Sam asks... What about you? Why aren't you at work? Sam is not impressed, and she notes that she saw Johnny's tweets, and everybody at school is talking about the fight. She wants to know what Daniel did to set Johnny off. She's taking Johnny's side early and often in this discussion. Daniel tells Sam that Johnny is impossible. Sam says differently. What Sam asks is, is this about that guy who showed up to the dojo? And Daniel explains, yes, he's the one who convinced him to join Cobra Kai. Yeah, that's the third time Daniel's having to explain Terry Silver to another character. He's like, yes, look, there was this whole thing. After we got back from Okinawa, there was this dude. He was a billionaire. He was being like a proxy revenge guy for Kreese because Kreese went to, what, Thailand or something? Yeah. And then he, like, pretended to be my friend, but then also hired a bunch of people to terrorize me, and then he flipped on me, and then he started to terrorize me, and then they were all terrorizing me. But then by that time, I was already started up for the tournament, and there was a whole thing with the tournament where they got me into the tournament without having to do all the preliminary rounds. Which is and bullshit, then I had to fight. according to Johnny Lawrence. And then I had to fight this guy, Mike Barnes, the bad boy of the karate. You know what? Let me just hand you this iPhone. It's got the Are You Karate Kidding Me episode on Karate Kid 3. You can just listen to them recap that movie. Exactly. And they'll just tell you everything you need to know about tied that. Up, tied up in a nice bow. Exactly. Exactly. That's how this whole thing started. So Daniel explains that it's only through Mr. Miyagi's teachings that he was able to snap out of the situation. And Sam replies that Johnny will never go down for doubling down on defense only, as much as Daniel thinks that that's the way through. Sam is underwhelmed with Daniel's idea, and Daniel wants to know why. She says, the Johnny says, if they don't stand up to Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai will never leave them alone. Sam's PTSD from the prior seasons has kind of morphed into just a general bad attitude. Definitely an aggro attitude as uh, she punctuates her point. But I can make my own decisions. With a Johnny-style bottle cap snap. A bottle cap snap with Perrier instead of Banquet, but we'll allow it. Exactly. I mean, just think a few episodes ago, Daniel might have cheerily caught that bottle cap. It's true. Yeah, but what the real takeaway here is that Daniel sees it as a his side versus Johnny's side. 
And Sam's like, I don't want there to be sides. I just want to learn both styles. Which is not unlike Miguel's attitude. Daniel tries to tell Sam how we believe. Another big problem, right? Because Daniel can't speak for Sam. Daniel can really only speak for Daniel. And to presume otherwise is to not just be a bad sensei, but a bad parent. I think what this is illustrating is that Cobra Kai definitely runs on a cult of personality model when Daniel or Johnny... The show or the dojo? Both, actually. But specifically, the Cobra Kai dojo runs on this cult of personality model where if Daniel or Johnny try to replicate that, it becomes a case of, well, what if you started a cult of personality and nobody showed up? Meanwhile, at Cobra Kai, Terry Silver is delivering his latest TED Talk, encouraging the Cobras to keep up their aggro energy. He's giving this motivational speech. Yeah, he's explaining that you need three Ds in order to succeed. Desire, devotion, and discipline. Yes, yes that's it! That's because he doesn't know that you really just need diners, drive-ins, and dives. <laughs> it's a first-class ticket to Flavortown International. Welcome to Flavortown. Exactly. <laughs> Population Terry Silver. That's right. So Terry's motivational speech, he's drilling the kids and they yes sensei him. He says that they will defeat their enemies when it matters and then tell them they need to stay focused on their training. And not so much on revenge and striking back, which, you know, Kreese looks on concern where he's like, wait, no striking back. This, this is not what I signed up for. And as he says this all, Kreese is looking on. What is Kreese thinking? Mm, what is Kreese thinking indeed? A question we ask often during this series. At that moment, Terry dismisses the kids for the day. Kreese tells Terry that they need a little chat. Meanwhile, the Cobra Kais are packing up and getting ready to go. Kyler is noting that... Second sessies, guys going beast mode. Oh yes, these Cobras are very impressed with Terry. Can't believe they can't fight. And of course, Robbie says... Just because we can't fight doesn't mean we can't get a little payback. Yes, Robbie has a cunning plan to deal with these Miyagi-Dos without fighting. I've got a plan so cunning you could put a tail on it and call it a weasel. Meanwhile, at Casa de Johnny, Johnny thinks he has a great plan for beating Daniel, which involves some kind of rehearsing with a crane kick. Yeah, exactly. This is the moment when Miguel walks up with a pain expression behind Johnny, who excitedly explains to Miguel how he's going to go for LaRusso's bread and butter, quote unquote. He's going to act like he's falling for the crane again, then slip on the shoulder and check him in the balls. No. Miguel just can't believe this is happening. Well, I mean, Miguel looks pained, but Sholo, if you look closely at his expression, he looks like he's about to break. He might start laughing here at any moment. Well, because it's ridiculous, Johnny's trying to get him to enact the fight with him, and Miguel doesn't want to help. He just wishes they weren't fighting at all. Miguel's whole argument here, it's the exact inverse of the argument with between Daniel and Sam a few moments ago, Johnny's like, well... You'll thank me when we're done with all this kata crap and I can prepare you for an actual fight. And Miguel's like, what if I don't want to stop learning Miyagi-Do? What if I need all the tools in the toolbox to beat Cobra Kai? Yeah, but we do get a sweet little reference to the 1985 Pontiac ad in that exchange. Pontiac Firebird. Got it, Pontiac. And Johnny takes it personally that Miguel doesn't want to stop learning Miyagi-Do. Right. Miguel thinks the Miyagi-Do is pretty cool, and he doesn't want his two sensei dads fighting. Johnny's like, what you talking about, Miguel? Yeah, I mean, Miguel says, rightly, the way I see it, no matter who wins, nobody wins. It sounds like Miguel is in touch with the Miyagi within. Well, it sounds like Alien versus Predator. Whoever wins, we lose. Exactly. So Johnny pushes back and denigrates Miguel's relationship with Daniel, and Miguel just says, okay, and walks off. At any rate, Johnny goes back to his practicing the crane to anticipate Daniel, anticipating him not anticipating, but then thinks twice and shuffles around to prepare. Because Johnny had a montage earlier, now we're going to get Daniel's montage where he comes back into the home dojo, talks to Mr. Miyagi, says that he... I've tried to do the right thing. I thought if we taught together, we could make the kids stronger. And so as he does his kata and prepares to fight, we get more of the theme music with Daniel talking about trying to put aside the past, flashbacks of him and Johnny fighting in the original movie, as well as more recently. 
and the outtake from the original movie with the cobbler. It's just, it's a lot because it's ridiculous to see Ralph Macchio talking this way as Daniel, but because Johnny has already laid the groundwork with some ridiculous moves, we buy it. This is another case of Daniel trying to reconcile his current situation with Mr. Miyagi's teachings, often by talking to Mr. Miyagi in the spirit world. If only his force ghost were here to like nod sagely, like Liam Neeson or something. I was always here. You just are not ready to see. Daniel talks to the picture saying he thought he could make the kids stronger. He tried to put aside the past, but he failed. And fighting Johnny is the only way forward. So he hopes Mr. Miyagi can forgive him. Sure, Daniel. We also get a little reprise of the Chosen and Season 3 finale fight music as he prepares. It's interesting because they both have beef with each other, but it's just crazy that Daniel is still protesting his superiority over Johnny. It's like he hasn't internalized any of Mr. Miyagi's lessons at all. Anyway, cut to a fancy restaurant. Oh, yeah, a fancy restaurant. Where they are taking drink orders. Kreese orders his usual cutty and water, but Terry cancels that, telling the host to get the whiskey the owner keeps for special occasions. Indeed. Is this a special occasion? Well, I guess... Talking the future of Cobra Kai? I think so. Well, Chris is talking to Terry like a boss, saying... Well, I want you to know I'm glad you came on board. But I want to make sure that we're both on the same page. What, what would you say you do here? And Chris adds that the things that Terry is teaching their students, well, his students... They're a little confusing. So we have a dispute that matches the dispute between Johnny and Daniel. Yeah, Kreese says things like we always strike first and that Cobra Kai never backs down, tournament or no. And Terry says, well, we already did strike first. And Terry says, I'm talking about Robbie Keane. You never told me his father was Johnny Lawrence. What's it matter? (laughs) What? You stole the man's son. So what's happening is that Terry is letting Kreese know. If that's not a direct attack, I don't know what is that he knows how deep his feelings run for Johnny Lawrence Mm. because he launched this attack, dredged up the old drama, and Terry warns Kreese, if you're not careful, it's going to bring Cobra Kai down all over again. I warned you! I tell you! Terry's point is that poaching Robbie is the ultimate first strike, the er first strike, if you will, and Kreese is like, what you talking about, Terry? Yeah, so, you know, Kreese says that's all under control, but Terry says that's not how it looks. And so what's Kreese going to do but go for the old chestnut of poking at Terry's recent vegan tofu lifestyle? But Terry, you know, has no skeletons in the closet there. He says Kreese was right about him and that he was living a lie. He lost who he was along the way. This is interesting because this is Kreese's tell. When he attacks people personally, that's when you know he feels himself to be on shaky ground. Terry tells Kreese he wants a second chance at finishing what he started and making sure that this time they win. And the only way they can do that, he says, is to forget about the past. I definitely have to take issue with this. Terry's whole point is that he's putting aside the past to finish what they started. He could have still finished what they started and still maintained. Vegan tofu lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, look, he had Cheyenne right there in the palm of his hand. That's right. How do you, yeah. I get the rest of it. How can you throw Cheyenne in the the palm of his tofu farmer? I know. I can't, I don't get it. He didn't thank her for the tofu. And this, and this is what you get. At any rate, Terry says the only way to win is to focus on the students and play the long game. LaRusso will have to shut down Miyagi-Do. Johnny Lawrence will rue the day he ever left Cobra Kai. Terrence, is everything okay? Ooh, well, Kreese is definitely on the same page with Terry now. Yeah, Kreese has never been about the long game, but decides to go along with it anyway. Speaking of ruining the day, cut to a tattoo parlor where Hawk is coming in to have some touch-ups done on his smaller Hawk on his back when Cobra Kai catches Hawk alone. Yeah, Hawk is preparing a text for Moon, trying to ask her to prom, and he asks where Rico is. But it's not Rico. Hey, Rico, you good? Tattoo shop's closed for the day. Instead, it's all of the Cobra Kai's, and they break his phone, attack him. Hawk puts up a good fight, but in the end, they manage to subdue him. Yep. And this is where things could get so dark, as Kyler's got Hawk by the neck, Tori's standing over him menacingly, all the other Cobras are kind of holding all his limbs down, and then Robbie goes over to the table where he picks up a straight razor very... <laughs> oh, we're not here to fight. 
He's holding that straight razor up to Hawk's frightened face. So what is going to happen? Well, we'll find out in a minute because first we have to cut to Miyagi-Do Karate where all the students are excited that Johnny is walking up. We have Chris holding a camera on a selfie stick, watching as Johnny walks in. All the students have clustered around. Johnny wants to know what they're doing here, and Daniel says, That's what happens when you broadcast your life all over social media. Yeah, Johnny still doesn't know how social media works, so all the kids are there to greet Johnny and Daniel. Johnny says he wants what's best for the kids. Well, Johnny says maybe there's a better way, and Daniel says there is. What's best for them is Miyagi-Do. It's weird because they both want to find a way out of this, but neither one of them are willing to accept the obvious answer, which is to continue collaborating, right? Johnny asks Daniel, don't you think you're ever wrong about anything? And Daniel responds, what are we doing here? Daniel is really refusing to back down at this point. Johnny was willing to play ball. So this is a little ridiculous. Johnny has a sad look on his face. Like, I can't believe we're doing this because the kids being there was a reality check for Johnny. That was the moment where he was like, oh, what have I done? Yeah. But, of course, Daniel you know, stoked the fire again. And Miguel and Sam are going to serve as the referees as they square off and bow. This is a real dream setup for every fan. We're finally going to litigate this, you know, Daniel-Johnny fight once and for all is what this episode promises. Let's finish this. Face us. Bow. Face each other. Bow. So Johnny advances on Daniel pretty early, gets in a point, and Sam gives that point to Johnny. Oh, and we're also getting flashbacks to their original fight. So this is pretty great choreography because it mirrors their original fighting and their recent fights, but doesn't just do that. So Johnny gets his point in on Daniel. Sam gives that point to Johnny. Point, Lauren! Daniel's like, at two, Sam. Mitch carries on commentary while Chris continues to hold the phone up. True to the motto painted on his former dojo wall and carved into his very being. The senseis regroup, go at it again. This is so well done. Oh, absolutely. Chris and Mitch are kind of horning in on our territory by recapping the episode as they're in the episode. It's but true. We'll forgive him. We'll give time. him that. They fight again. As Johnny gets his kick in on Daniel, Miguel gives the second point to Riso. And Johnny's like, at two, Miguel. This is brilliant Star Wars-y music. And it's so great to watch the kids be referees who don't want to do it, reminding us the score is 1-1. The sensei square off again. Daniel gets in one more point at Johnny. Riso takes the lead. After a number of blocks, Daniel gets in one more point at Johnny, this time with a hit to the chest. So Miguel looks absolutely miserable as Mitch reminds us that all he has to do is score one more point and LaRusso is the winner. And so Daniel brings the kata. So yeah, the score now is two on LaRusso. Daniel starts with the kata. Unlike Mike Barnes, Johnny is not at all confused, but the pressure point music kicks up. Yeah, this is the music that they played last season whenever Daniel learned the secret pressure point technique or whenever it was used against him, right? Yeah. So. Daniel prepares to numb Johnny and does so, fighting dirty, at least for Daniel, right? Well, I mean, if it's in the Miyagi-Do moveset, is it indeed fighting dirty, or is it just something that Johnny didn't expect? Johnny considers it fighting dirty, for sure. Well, yeah. It's fighting in a way that no one would anticipate Daniel to fight, because it isn't defense only. It's offensive to numb your opponent's arms. That's interesting, because it's offensive in that it's an attack, but all you're doing is preventing the opponent from attacking you. That's fair. Yeah. Are pressure points offensive? Like Chosen has said, sometimes you're fighting against an opponent who doesn't care about the rules and you have to preserve your own life. Yeah. If only Chosen was here to if, somehow help out with these guys. Man, the this, this show really needs him. Yeah, I know. Johnny can't believe that Daniel has numbed him and says, what the hell, man? And what a good actor Billy Zabka is because he shows Johnny's shock, his hurt, his dismay yeah. at what Daniel has done. And then he, re he recovers enough to resume the fight. They advance on each other one more time, and they both go down with Johnny getting another point. Two two. Next point wins. Which leads us two to two, tied. That's right. Even Steven's next point wins. The gloves are really coming off here. They're pushing each other to their very limits. And Johnny flies a kick towards Daniel. Doesn't work. Daniel goes in with his hands on Johnny. Johnny dodges. Johnny, Johnny dodges. Punches. Sends uh, Daniel to the pole. Then D Johnny tries a round kick. Doesn't work. Daniel's shuffling back and forth, so is Johnny, and now they're going with... with flurry of yep. punches from Johnny. Daniel's blocking excellently, a flurry of kicks. Both Johnny and Daniel kick each other, and then finally... Oh, 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 
Daniel kicks Johnny as Johnny punches Daniel in the face. Are you sure? Are you sure? They each go down at the exact same time. That was an incredible redo of their old fights with new blocks and kicks too. And they've already given us so many flashbacks that we don't need the flashbacks interspersed now to show us how many things parallel their old fights but are remixed in a new way. Johnny rolls back to punch Daniel, as you said. Daniel kicks Johnny in the face. They both go down. Miguel and Sam are confused. Both of them call the point for different people. So Dimitri calls out, Check the replay! They run over to from the Mr. Coffee to the Mr. Video, and they get the video cassette of this episode, and they replay it back from the beginning. No, 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 go past this. Past this part. Try here. Stop. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. As everyone clusters around and looks at it, the freeze frame is just hilarious of the adults falling down, the kids looking on, Johnny saying, Go to another angle. And and Chris is like, There is no other angle. This is not ESPN. This is a karate fight in the backyard of Mr. Miyagi's house. It's very when will then be now. In fact, never play this again. It's nice to see how ridiculous replays can be, not just on Spaceballs like Bridget Jones, where she goes down the fire pole, just... Excellent fire station. Uh, And now, back to the studio. Oh, that was very good. The yeah. result is very much the same. Yeah, so again, this is very... <laughs> They're very Star Wars. They're evenly matched, two sides necessary to balance the Force. Very last Jedi fight. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just as Johnny wants another angle, Chris is like, what you talking about, Johnny? A mysterious hooded figure walks from around the backs of the dojo, around the bonsai trees. Bonsai tree. Towards the Okinawa sparring deck playset, and it turns out that it's Hawk. Hawk? And as he pulls off the hood, everyone is shocked to see that Hawk has been... Shit, Eli, what happened? Dehawked. Yeah, he's been deplumed. And he looks absolutely broken. And Johnny says, who did this? And Hawk replies, Cobra Kai. Johnny looks absolutely disgusted, replies, Crease and Silver did this and they need to pay. Daniel doesn't want Johnny to go fight them both. Johnny wants to fight. And Daniel says, if dousing the fire with gasoline, that's your answer? Daniel thinks that this won't work. He might be made to think differently later. Yeah. Daniel starts haranguing Johnny, but then San stands up for Johnny. Johnny's right. If we don't strike back, they're going to keep coming at us. Well, it's unexpected for everyone except us, right? Johnny reminds Daniel that, that he was proud of the kids for pulling their sprinkler prank, but if they had just kicked ass like he'd taught them, this never would have happened. So there's just so much Monday morning quarterbacking now where Daniel's saying, should they go back to the hospital or jail? And he's getting personal and making ad hominem attacks against Johnny. And Daniel says to Johnny, you're worried about my influence on your kids. And this is where Daniel continues to make it personal and says, to have my daughter, the rest of my students acting like you. In front of all the students, yeah. And Johnny's like hurt and outraged and says that their relationship is over. Johnny decides to part ways and he rounds up the eagle fangs to take with him, except for... Miguel, who is very hesitant, he looks like he's not exactly on board with the whole vengeance plan. Yeah, Miguel lingers just long enough for the sad, sad pipe music to to swell. Miguel's face as he walks away from Daniel and Sam and joins Johnny just sucks because really nobody won here. And as they walk off, Eli follows too because, you know, he's been with Johnny since the beginning. But it's clear that nobody feels like doing karate right now. The lone Okinawan whistle of remorse. Indeed. But yeah, as they walk away, nobody won here. And... And Snake. And so, Jenny, now I turn to you, as I do at the end of all these episodes, and I ask, Hey, Jenny, what did you think of this episode? What a banger, right? Oh, it was a banger. It bangs. It bangs. Does it bang? It it bangs. absolutely bangs. The Okinawan hand drum, that is. Yes. Uh, So do we want to talk about some of the specific ways in which it bangs? Yes. Yes, we do. Well, let's start with uh, Daniel and Johnny. Yes. I mean, they're the core of this episode. Like, a lot of their moves mirror each other. Where do you even begin with an episode like this? Well, I think it's interesting to see that there are moments where neither Daniel nor Johnny want to fight each other. They don't want to do it. They understand that they have a good thing going on some level. Mm -hmm. And at different moments, with different witnesses around, each of them shows that they don't want to do this. But their egos always get the better of them. You know, it's a shame that Johnny doesn't take seriously the fact that Terry Silver is a threat. But Johnny hasn't seen Karate Kid 3. If you hadn't seen Karate Kid 3 or listened to our recap of it, you wouldn't believe such a thing was possible. 
Yeah, it's almost as if the whole plot of Karate Kid 3 was the most unlikely thing to have ever have happened. You know, when we first saw this season, I was I was dismayed to see this happening with Johnny and Daniel and thought, would this really happen after all that they've been through and all that they've seen and that they've learned to have compassion for each other? But it's not lazy writing to show people go two steps forward and one step back. With characters like this, it makes sense because what we know of them is that they're both stubborn, hard-headed, hurt people. For Daniel, this is the heightening of a threat that he had hoped was behind him. For Johnny, this is the distraction from the main thing that they already knew, which is Crease is bad enough. So it's a shame, but it's not implausible that they would come to loggerheads like this. I think you nailed it right on the head, which is, I don't feel like any of their actions are necessarily out of character Mm -hmm. for each other. I think that it's just frustrating to watch because on some level, they know the answer, but they're refusing to actually commit because they're so set in their ways and they're so used to doing things a certain way, especially, you know, I mean, I think Daniel's the clearest example, right? Because he's got this torch for Mr. Miyagi that he feels he has to continue carrying in a way that Johnny doesn't feel for Cobra Kai. Like, Johnny is in some ways a lot freer in that he's setting his own agenda, whereas Daniel feels like he's locked into the agenda of Mr. Miyagi and of Miyagi-Do. But they both realize that there's no way forward without some form of collaboration, yet they both feel like they are unable to collaborate because of this, you know, difference of sameness, right? Different but same. Yeah, different but same. And and I mean, in fairness, like, while Johnny was mean about Daniel to Miguel, Johnny has been pretty fair to Daniel to his face, I would say, this episode. And Daniel has not been the same to Johnny, in part because Daniel still can't imagine that Johnny does his own thing, which is the lesson that Daniel has yet to learn. So it's especially hard for me to see Daniel make these mistakes because I feel like Johnny is just sort of being Johnny. And reacting to what Daniel's doing now. You know, Johnny could have had more empathy for Daniel, but like, that's Johnny, right? So I think that it's hard to watch. It's a true thing that could happen. I think the fight was hilarious. And I think it's really smart the way the show built towards the fight. You know, we all knew we were going to get another fight between Johnny and Daniel before too long. Because it had been too long since we'd seen one. But at the same time, we knew that... Their fight isn't the fight that matters the most for the soul of the valley. So the show found a really smart way to put it in an important spot in the season, the midpoint of the season, to have everyone having ambivalent feelings about it rather than cheering one side or the other in a very clear way. You know, that was really well done. I also appreciate the fact that Kreese and Silver are having their own disagreements at the same time. Well, that was what I was going to bring up next, was the parallel to Crease and Silver's agenda for this episode, which was Terry's now fully on board with co-sensing Cobra Kai, and a lot of this episode is them spent trying to decide whether they're on the same page or not, whether they're working across purposes or not, and where to go from there. Crease is, in some ways, it's the same struggle that Daniel and Johnny are having, where Terry Silver is coming in and saying things like, oh, we're going to bide our time, we're not going to retaliate, we're not even going to strike first. Because again, from Terry's perspective, Crease struck first so hard, that's all the first strike that you're ever going to need. We've got Robbie Keane. I think they probably could have made a little bit more hay about that, yeah. both in to each other and in their discussions with Daniel and Johnny, if they really wanted to rub that salt in the wound. But I guess we're just not quite at that phase yet. There's definitely a lot of potential there for them to continue digging into that emotional truth and digging up these old these old wounds, right? At this stage, we know from flashbacks, too, that Terry is fixated on Crease and him having this project. And he has felt beholden to Crease for saving his life. Exactly. And... For that reason, Terry is, I think, not wanting Crease to attach to another person more than he does to Terry. There could be an element of jealousy there that Terry both doesn't want to believe is true, but also doesn't want to fall out with Crease about it. And then there's the other theme of this episode, which is the idea that Terry himself is a 
manipulator. He's all about psychological warfare. He's all about playing the long game. Yep. And the only person on the chessboard right now that can see that is Daniel. Yep. And it's up to him to convince all the other characters that this is true and yet he never quite makes that happen Mm-mm. for anyone. Well, because he keeps insisting that the only way forward is through him and Mr. Miyagi. Right, because so, Mr. Yeah. Miyagi and Miyagi-Do beat Terry Silver once that surely that must be the key to beating him again. Daniel's fear overcomes his faith. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Another big theme of the show. Well, Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Mm. Yes. I'm going to pop a Yoda quote in there. We don't usually do clips during the discussion phase, but it's irresistible. As far as the rest of the cast, how do you feel about where they're placed and how they're going? I feel like they do a really good job of using the young cast for exposition here, but also still giving us little tidbits about how they're coming along in their lives. Tori and Robbie get a little bit of play here, but mainly they're kind of with Kyler to just kind of be the peanut gallery as Terry and Increase take the wheel of Cobra Kai, right? Right. But, but we, also, yeah. I guess the other big plot lines for other characters here would be Hawk has a pretty major turn here oh. as he goes from being somewhat confident to being completely deplumed by the end of the episode. So when Hawk comes in at the beginning of this episode, he's... the color of his mohawk has changed but his attitude is still a little reluctant like the change from cobra kai to eagle fang to now collaborating with miyagi do we don't know where he stands we don't you know and maybe he doesn't even completely know where he stands he just knows he doesn't stand with cobra kai right that's right and so to go from there to being just like completely emotionally shattered at the end of the episode is a pretty big turn part of the deal with hawk is that he has been going along, he's been good at this stuff, but we have been left to wonder, and the challenge is thrown down for Hawk in this episode. Who are you really? Are you a serious karate person, or are you Hawk the personality? And this is the choice that Hawk kind of has to make. Like, am I going to go deep and engage, or am yeah. I going to stay with the surface stuff? Because Johnny Lawrence goes deep without talking about it, and that's one reason why he's such a good sensei. He could stand to go deep for his own good, but like, in terms of teaching. But people can take the wrong lessons. And one of the lessons that Hawk took that was incomplete was the idea of just looking and acting badass. Mm -hmm. You know, that carried Hawk so far, but it can't get him all the way. Yeah. So this horrible trauma for him serves to put him in his place to think over what his possibilities really are. Yeah. And I'm not going to expound on this too much longer because this, spoiler alert, this thread kind of carries on into the next episode. Sure. But it is definitely an important turning point for Hawk. The other two characters that have important stuff in this episode are obviously Sam and Miguel, who are kind of along for Daniel and Johnny's ride, but also they are basically on two different sides arguing towards the middle, right? Where the younger generation rides for... Why not both? They are the way forward, and whether they understand it or not, they are arguing for the actual solution, which is, if we're going to beat Cobra Kai, if we're going to beat their ethos, then we need to synthesize. They want to, instinctually. Exactly. And the older characters are just not hearing that. Yep. Which is a tale as old as time, right? I think that the other young cast members that we see are Dimitri and Yasmin. We see, because Annalisa Cochran, I guess, is getting so much work that she's probably not going to be at prom, meaning I guess that Dimitri has a lot more time to spend with Hawk is one reason (laughs) why we see that. And to remind us about prom being a thing. And to give Hawk the notion to talk to Moon. But Miguel and Sam in this episode exist to finally say, no, I enjoy learning from the other side. It's not just that I'm tolerating this because we all have to do what we can. It's I'm enjoying it. I don't see why. they and, and, it, and it can get a little redundant to see each of them issuing a mirror challenge. But it makes sense that they would be on this page. And it's important to see each of them articulating that. And they do it in different ways. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's not exactly a mirror because they're each coming... F- towards the fence from opposite sides, right? Sam was raised Miyagi-Do. You would think she would be more chill, but as these episodes have gone on, she's just getting progressively more and more aggro. She's like, I'm learning Eagle Fang, and I'm loving it. I get to express myself in this way. I've never done it before, and I'm finding that I like it, whereas 
Miguel's coming from the opposite side of the fence being like, Johnny was pretty extreme with my training. This is the dude who dunked me in a pool and tied my legs together in season one. And now Miyagi-Do is pretty chill. I'm kind of liking that. And they're both riding towards the middle from opposite sides. It's pretty fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, it's enraging for the senseis to see because their ego is tied up in their favorite student replicating them for a variety of reasons. Exactly. So yeah, a lot of stuff happening. The table's set and in typical Cobra Kai style. We get some questions answered at the midseason, but they only pose more questions. On the surface, this episode seems pretty simple. It's just Daniel and Johnny riding up towards this big fight. But really, as you start to deconstruct it, you can really see the wheels within wheels, right? Yeah, questions that remain. What's going to happen to Hawk? How will either dojo come out on top with their numbers so reduced and morale so low? You know, what rabbit can they pull out of a hat? What does victory look like? And can Daniel and Johnny ever get back together? All fair questions, but I have an even more important question for you. What would that be? Who is your MVP for this episode? Oh, I was afraid you were going to ask me first. Oh, no. Well, do you want to ask me first? Yeah, Colin, who is your MVP? Gosh, just because we just finished talking about it, I think I'm going to have to ride for Hawk. I was also thinking Hawk. (laughs) It's a daily double. It is, because he gets relatively little time. Oh, but what he does but with that what time. What he does with that time. Like, and again, Jacob Bertrand. Actually, I'll, if you want to give it to Hawk, I'll give it to Jacob Bertrand because then that, <laughs> that way it's a little bit of a differentiation. Spoiler alert, the same person. Yes. Well, I mean, I, we talk about MVPs, but really it's who's having the most fun in the episode, who's doing the most heavy lift. It's just a prize for who's putting in extraordinary work. And I think both Hawk, the character, and you can make the argument that also Jacob Bertrand, the actor, are both putting in a lot in this episode. Oh my gosh. Especially, like you said, for the time that they're given in this episode, it's pretty outstanding. Because like I said, when Hawk's coming in this episode, he's coming in with the purple mohawk. He's got a fresh new look. But you can see on Jacob's face that maybe not everything's going all right in Hawkland, right? Mm -hmm. He's just sort of tooling along waiting to see what becomes of all of this but he's still got his attitude the other thing is that this is a perfect example of the stakes when the senseis squabble right and are caught up in the past which is what terry says let go of the past no one over 50 seems to be able to let go of the past except for terry silver presumably Right. But if the senseis don't let go of the past, the students in the present will suffer. Mm-hmm. And we see that. Johnny was warned in the previous episode that there would be payback. He blew it off because he was so into his own BS. And now we see what the deal is. And both Jacob Bertrand portraying this all falling on Hawk. It's very gutting because it's a typical switcheroo. This thing just happened to Hawk, but it's so entertaining to watch this fight. That when yeah. your eyes are looking elsewhere, here he comes to just punch you in the gut. Absolutely. So yeah, so fantastic MVP for this episode. Easter eggs? Easter eggs? Gosh, the big one is we're incorporating deleted scenes from Karate Kid into the narrative now, right? So what was previously just kind of extra is now canon. No, it was previously only fanfic fodder is now canon. Right, exactly. Which is exactly what you like to see from an Easter egg. So I think that's that's a great Easter egg on its own. I mean... A lot of great classic Karate Kid montaging in this episode, no Mm -hmm. doubt about that. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. I think the pressure points, you know, again, we're seeing more cases of Cobra Kai just referring back to itself. Yep. Rather than having to go deep into the Karate Kid catalog. But this episode does both, so. It does. It really does. I'm a fan. And hard to watch Daniel and Johnny fall out, but definitely highly entertaining television. Well, it's happened before. I'm sure it'll happen again, and maybe they'll get back together again before too terribly long. It's the circle of life. Yeah, exactly. It's wheels within wheels. Indeed. Speaking of wheels within wheels, please follow us on social media, (laughs) at Karate Kid Pod, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you download podcasts. We're on all of them, Spotify, Apple Music, et cetera, et cetera. Leave us a review. Subscribe, rate like whatever the button says to do give us the most number of stars or oysters or 
thumbs ups or whatever whatever the app has just give us all of it and feel free to drop and us that, a line yeah exactly give us drop us a line what is it it's karate kid pod at gmail.com mm-hmm. yeah all you the good stuff send us a dm we're there send us a dm if yeah if you have any questions or comments for us and you know if we can answer them on the show we will and we are thrilled that we finally have gotten our new addition to the family a little more trained and quiet so that he gives us chunks of whole amounts of time when nobody's barking or destroying things so that we can record quality content for you. Yeah, special thanks to Arby for this episode for having a play date this morning, which means he's now napping soundly while we record podcasts. So In 2022, you you, buddy. dogs hold all the power. That's right. So with that, we will be back with you next time for Cobra Kai. Season 5, Episode 6, Kicks Get Chicks. Kicks Get Chicks. Until then, I'm Colin Kennedy. I'm Jenny Carlson. And we'll see you around the Miyagiverse. See you around the Miyagiverse. Are You Karate Kidding Me is hosted by Colin Kennedy and Jenny Carlson. Intro music is by Chepo. Cobra Kai music is by Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson. Karate Kid music is by Bill Conti. Rate our show on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice to help grow our listenership. Email us at karatekidpod at gmail.com with questions and comments or find us on social media. Use the Twitter handle at karatekidpod. This podcast is independently produced by Geckring Media. 